And now, the starting lineup for your... Gangsters, what's up, guys? Are you a slacker? Envy. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. God bless the internet. What the hell is going on out here? Oh, fuck it. Where are you? Because <laughs> I'm the Batman. <laughs> Beat me down in the iceberg lounge tonight. <laughs> Hey, welcome uh, to the this is, I'm Jed Sprague here with my co-host Evan Fagundis. Yo. And JT Chipman. Am I the only one who knows the freaking difference between L and Law? World's <laughs> greatest detectives. <laughs> <laughs> and we are talking about the Batman. That is right. Ladies and gentlemen, the wait is finally over. The Batman is here. And wow, is it something? But before we hop in. How are we doing, fellas? Chip, talk to me. I'm great. Just left my second showing of the the Batman, L Batman. Chiller. Um, riding high, man. Just juiced. Uh, coming off of the fest too. True Falls Film Fest. Had a great time. A lot of a lot of drinks. Some more potent than others. Uh, but I am I am recovered. I told Evan that today it's it's Wednesday. We ended the fest Sunday, and as of lunchtime today, I was 100% recovered. So that'll tell you about. Uh, by the time I had the fest, but it was great. Lovely people, lovely food, lovely drinks, lovely films. And then I, I basically sandwiched the fest with two showings of Batman. Love it. Evan, how are you? I'm doing really well. I uh, I haven't done anything quite that fun, but I did also get two vu- viewings of the Batman in. Um, the first being on Dolby, which I was really happy about. And yeah, it's nice weather here in, in the city. Uh, we got a lot of sun and the Batman in theaters. I'm doing well. That's amazing. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, it's very, it's, it's a very special time whenever you get to see like any Batman movie, I think. But when you get to see a movie that's treated with such care and respect and reverence for like the source material, and then it also is just fucking sweet and it's got shots for days. Uh, I think, how can you be bad? You know, right at this specific moment, I'm a little cold. Uh, I forgot to turn on the heater in my garage podcast studio before i came out here so you know it's a little bit chilly but we soldier on i am excited to talk about emo batman i'm excited to talk about uh you know my chem bruce wayne it it, i mean it's just so this movie could not be more up my alley what's the name of that what's the name of that vegas um concert festival that's going on with like all the old emo bands like mcr day to remember like when we were young yes so Clearly, like Gotham's gonna have to like be on its own for a few days while while Brucey goes and relives some childhood memories, right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I want to talk. I mean, there's so much to talk about, and I don't even honestly know where to begin. But I just want to know credits roll, mm-hmm. um, like the first shots. What's your immediate reaction? So credit like beginning credits or like the credits roll and I'm walking out of the theater. No, sorry, sorry. Beginning like beginning credits. Like we're like we're, we get thrust into the movie, right? So 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 you know all the title sequences, hit, mm-hmm. and then we're in the movie. What's going through your head? I'm in shock. I, I'm watching an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, that's I'm watching an Alfred Hitchcock movie with a DC Comics logo, and that's something I didn't think I would ever get to see in my life, right? Because we open the film with our guy paul dano getting up to some shit as the riddler and we're gonna hang out with him for like a solid eight minutes and it 
this, this opening binocular shot, it's like a minute long and there's no breaks. Yeah. It is so patient. I mean, that's the theme of the movie, right? It's three hours long. It is very patient. It is very willing to take its time and force you to see what the characters are seeing and scare you, but also develop the characters themselves through those through those long shots. Um, so I, I was grinning ear to ear. Um, I was scared, but I was just smiling like a little baby. Yeah, you know, I had a similar reaction. I was really excited. First of all, that title card also the just the biggest letters to Batman across the screen with right. the with the little the little tune playing behind it was just a great open. It kind of it felt like opening a comic book. And this is going to be something that like I return to a lot on this podcast. But like the big bold letters like announcing the beginning of the story it was just a really interesting thing. And then you know I will say I don't think I've talked about it much on the pod. I don't even know if I've told you guys this. Cloverfield was a big one in my house growing mm. up. Like it was. My brother, my dad, and I watched that movie a lot. It was just one we really like kind of bonded with. So that opening shot, the first thing I thought of was Cloverfield. I was like, oh, we're back in camera POV, Matt Reeves, like because I'd been, you know, catching up on Matt Reeves leading up to the the film. So that's when I was like, I don't know. I just had this feeling that I was like, this is a Matt Reeves movie. and he's he's making this movie doing his thing and starting with this kind of slow, methodical opening that it just seemed really ballsy, honestly. Like, to not, it seems like so easy to just come in with a big bang to establish yourself as, like, making a Batman movie versus this slow build um, really just being your own. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought everything about the way that the movie opened was was just full of a ton of nuts. I mean, it was the cojones on this guy to basically not show you Batman for what 15 minutes yeah right mm -hmm. not not show you Batman for 15 minutes uh come in with that completely non Batman comic book movie sequence and on top of it it's like he's like screw the origin story you know who Batman is mm -hmm. like we're just gonna toss you in like Batman's been rolling he's been doing this for two years and I think that was the best choice he made personally like that was my initial reaction when when the I don't. I can't remember how far into the movie exactly it was, but when you realize that he's been doing it for two years, when he's journaling, you know that he's already been out on the streets. That was what really was like, oh hell yeah! So like, there's there is history here already, and we're not going to take your time holding your hand. My initial reaction when I first saw that shot was that it was going to be like the murderers killing. I thought it was going to be the Wayne family mansion because I it was like I you see a young Ooh. kid in the ninja in yeah. the, the ninja suit, and I'm like, oh no. I was like, oh God, no. Um, but it may have even been a wink to, you know, seeing a young kid as an ninja. Had to be, the, right? Of course, dad yeah. still doesn't have getting killed. But yes. I mean, we don't see Martha or, or Thomas Wayne get killed. We don't see uh, Bruce ingratiating himself into the League of Shadows and learning how to become a ninja. We don't see a workout sequence of any kind, right? We don't even really see like a, like a suit up sequence, you know? Like, like this is. There, we haven't seen a Batman like this in the 21st century in, in terms of uh, movies. We meet the Batman in the midst of being the Batman, right? He's almost going back to be like, let me tell you how I got here. Let me get you up to speed because I'm already in the subway about to beat the shit out of these dudes that you're watching. You know, there's no – yeah, there, it, 
in a way it plays out slowly, but it almost plays out so fast because you're just automatically watching the Batman doing his job. The very first time you see him on the screen, it's a really cool um, effect. It makes him seem like seasoned almost a little bit in a way where we can just trust that he's like got it down a bit. Yeah. The the other thing that struck me about this opening is how well it set the scene uh, for Gotham. And we talked about how much better Gotham is in this iteration, I think, than any other iteration of Batman. Like it's it, it felt so much more alive. And I loved how that opening sequence really set the stage for what this Gotham was going to look like and what it was going to be. Uh, yeah. And of course, the nod to good time which was just yeah. incredible. That yeah. was that was incredible. I didn't see that until afterwards, but I thought that when the convenience store situation was happening and I didn't realize it was such a blatant uh, a blatant nod to it. Yeah, that made me that made me really happy. Um I also th- this is a total side tangent already, but just the yeah. fact that they referred him so much as the Batman. Yeah. It makes it feel a lot more realistic. You know, it makes it feel like this isn't a world where like superheroes are running around and they become like you drop the the and become it's like no this is the it's it's this guy it's this vigilante it's the yeah. Batman that's running around doing all this shit um and it, it just that that feels like something someone in our world would do absolutely totally agree and now I need to bounce around a little bit too tell me what you guys thought so opening up with a Riddler kill it did give me some Dark Knight flashbacks where I was thinking, oh, we're being introduced to Paul Dano as the Riddler right now. The same way Heath Ledger got introduced at the very beginning of The Dark Knight, and it seemed to indicate that this man was going to be a major part of this movie. And really, I mean, you could say 70-75% of The Dark Knight is like Heath Ledger doing stuff. Um, Did you guys get a feeling? I sort of got the feeling that this was going to be a little bit more like that, based on that opening. I was like, yeah. oh, is he are we about to split time almost between Paul Dano, Riddler POV and Batman? I don't know. I think I was I was so uh, I was trying really hard not to like make any assumptions. And I think I was just kind of like, okay, this is happening. And I was like, what's happening next? And what I loved how much time we didn't spend with the Riddler. I think that was like Again, such a brilliant choice, and it's so hard not to hop around because there's so many brilliant choices in this movie. But again, talking about the more re- realistic thing, this was not an overpowered villain. It's just a, a basically he's a serial killer who likes to tell riddles. Mm-hmm. And all of the villains in Gotham are just part of the overall canvas of what Batman is trying to deal with. And he has to come and and you know, he has to rub elbows with different people in order to get what he wants out of this specific Riddler situation. Again, pointing back to the fact that like he's a known quantity, you know, amongst the villains in Gotham. And he is, you know, they've had conversations before, right? Him, him dealing with the penguin, him, him dealing with Falcone. Like it's, this isn't like you're getting introduced. They're getting introduced to characters. Um, You know, there's clearly history here and he like begrudgingly has to go to them for for information. I just loved the way that all played out because that felt at least the comics I read, and I'm not, you know, the like a diehard comic book reader, but the comics that I have read of the Batman, that seems like a much more uh, faithful adaptation. Of it's, it's kind of a, um, you know, it's a mishmash of a bunch of different villains all, you know, working either together or, 
you know, in different ways that Batman's trying to figure out rather than just one big bad every time. And these are also very human villains. Um, mm-hmm. You can look you can look at the Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Dark Knight Rises, and there is a thread of the supernatural running through there. Um, there is a thread of the mysterious and otherworldly something else going on. Right. Obviously, with previous iterations like Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer gets revived by by cats and goes back to life. Um, it, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, mystical. There's a lot of like a, mm-hmm. basically alien shit going yeah. on. Right. There's none of that in this movie at all. Like we see where the Riddler lives. We see like where he's streaming from and like his phones that he's hacking, like very tangible stuff. Oz is just a, a guy with some face stuff going on. Right. Uh, Catwoman like jumps, like is a burglar, but like doesn't have uh, powers of the Sphinx imbued in her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that, that makes it so much more enjoyable to watch. It makes their characters like pop. I think, especially in the conversations with Batman, it's just two humans going toe to toe, brain to brain, fist to fist. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. Can we? I I totally agree with what you guys are saying. I'm so curious. The thing I was most curious about asking you guys: What was your first takeaway? Walking out of the theater, not not like was it good? Was it bad? Was it the best Batman? Like first actor you're thinking of first scene or something you know what was the first thing that popped into your head when you walked out i said fucking turturro i was like turturro i literally said i was like this fucking guy i was like how is he not in every movie ever he just he understands the assignment so well and i loved i loved him uh in this movie i thought he was so despicable and so evil but like in a charming way that despicable and evil people are in, in real life, they get where they are because they're charming and they can talk, you know, talk to people and emotionally manipulate them. That was my big takeaway. It was fucking Torturo 100%. But as I like settled down and came off of my Torturo hive high, it was like, holy shit, Rob Pat, man, let's fucking go. Like I, the, there was a lot of all the actors were great. And so I don't want to it's hard. I don't want to bounce around. But yeah, no, that's Turturro. a good that's a good one. Turturro first. So there was a Diana told me about this NPR review of Batman that called Rob Pat the ASMR crusader, <laughs> which I think is really true. But I think it also applies to Turturro because he's like, your father came to me and I helped, you know, I like he he's he's very much whispering a lot yeah. of his lines, too. And I think it's very effective. Um, but in terms of like the performance, I felt when I was leaving the theater it it was Turturro, and then it was then it was Colin. It was it was CF. Holy fucking shit! So he he did the 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 lying press tour thing. Where he was like, I'm in this movie for five minutes. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> he's in this movie a lot, and he's got a lot of lines and like exposition to do. But he's like, he's calling everybody like sweetheart or toots, you know. And like he's he's very much doing like I think he's doing a little bit of like somewhere between Godfather and Goodfellas because there is a bit more class, I think, while affecting more of a Goodfellas voice. Um, he is just, like, just chewing, just eating. He, he's eating good, too, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> he's going fucking nuts this entire movie, and he has the cane, and he has the suits, and he's got the stomach and the waddle. It's so good. And he's getting his own show. He is. What? Oh my god, I forgot. He is. Um, wow, those are great picks. I mean, 
I almost want to piggyback off Chet. I, I have to say the first thing I thought in my head was Colin Farrell when I was walking out of the movie. And part of it is he's so different than the rest of the movie. Like you guys said, like Turturro is amazing, but he's also kind of doing joke on joke, the ASMR type thing. Uh, very up close even on the, with the camera on him and stuff. He's just like very reserved. Um, obviously, Jeffrey Wright as Gordon is very reserved. And and Robert Pattinson, we've talked about, very reserved. Even the fights are like almost a little bit quiet in a way um, mm-hmm. as they're going through other than like the punches being thrown. Um, and then Colin Farrell just comes in like an absolute ham. It's unbelievable. It's, it's yeah. like my favorite performance in the movie. And it almost comes straight out of like House of Gucci or something like that, right? Like it's that level of ham. He's probably doing it maybe a little bit even more effectively at times, but it's nearly the same level of of just like playing around. And some of his lines are just unbelievable. Yeah, when he goes, when he goes, what is this good cop, batshit, crazy cop? Good dude. Etched in my fucking brain for forever. Penguin lines. The when he's like, "Why does this murder matter?" That's the mayor. Oh shit! It's the oh shit! It is. <laughs> <laughs> that shit. He's like, "Oh shit!" Fuck you if you think this movie's not funny. To all it's the all, all the losers out there who are like, "I didn't laugh once." This movie's hilarious, dude. If you oh, did not laugh the first time, Colin. Yeah, if you did not laugh the first time Colin Farrell popped up on screen, I don't know what the, whoa, whoa, take it easy. Like him just doing like the classic, just like the New Yorker guy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also the close-ups on his face while he's saying all this. Yeah. The teeth. There was every opportunity to just get so close to to his face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was incredible. He was was hilarious. Oh, my God. And he did a penguin waddle. Like, he's legitimately, in a good way, in a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. And it meshes perfectly to add a layer to this movie yeah. that it otherwise wouldn't have had. And, I mean, they they cheat to get the penguin water, right? Because he's in, like, he's in cuffs, both yeah. feet and hands. So, like, that's the way they can get away with being like, oh, that's just yep. how you walk when you've got cuffs like that. Exactly. But it plays so well, and it's so funny. Well, and yeah. it's used tastefully, right? It's like if he was waddling the whole movie, you'd be like, all right, we fucking get it. But yeah. you give a little nod to it by putting him in cuffs, and it's exactly it's, absolutely. Oh, okay, Colin Farrell, incredible. I do want to talk a lot, a lot. Probably not a lot. I think we need to be quick about it. But I want to talk about the relationship between Batman and Gordon in this movie, and Jeffrey Wright and Rob Pat, and mm-hmm. how different of a relationship this was from the previous Batman iterations. Uh, obviously in this movie, Batman's much more of a detective. And so Gordon is much more of an active participant in the detective work. And I, it really worked for me. I was honestly, one of my favorite parts of the movies, uh, of the movie was, was them together working like a, a buddy cop duo. And like, there's even the yeah. little, there's even the little, you know, the jokes, like the thumb drive and, and mm-hmm. shit like that. It was, it was wonderful. Yeah. You know what I thought about? I thought about Miami Vice, and I thought about Rico <laughs> and Sonny a little bit to keep the Colin Farrell train going. I mean, there's it's obviously like somewhat different, but in that man pot, I talked about how they have their own language that they speak, and like sometimes mm-hmm. they don't even need to talk to each other, or like they don't show you the the setup for like. So when Rico and Sonny go and confront what's his face, like they have a plan and they have like a verbal back and forth that they have clearly orchestrated ahead of time to get to information. I thought about that when. Batman and Gordon are confronting Oz Cobblepot and they're like, they're, they're going back and forth and they're, they're doing like fucking Sorkin ping pong yeah. dialogue. Um, 
and it's clear they just have this rapport and this trust that's been established and like there's obviously a little bit of a dynamic of mystery and i think one guy kind of being smarter than the other sometimes the other guy needing to pull him back that's a little bit different but this is this is this would be a good double bill with miami vice absolutely great call on the penguin again the avatar for the audience just like oh you got a great little duet going here you know like just yeah. recognizing what we've kind of silently all been saying in our heads the whole movie we're like yeah. oh this is great you know gordon reads the card batman solves the riddle you know it's just we're going back and forth like we're we're kind of playing uh, uh wordless games with a thumb and stuff there's a lot of a lot of playfulness between them but they take it very seriously yeah. um and they operate independently of basically every other person they encounter together in the movie like even catwoman to an extent is like this is gordon and batman versus you right, right. now like in this conversation um, they just kind of do whatever they want. It's great. I, I also want to use this opportunity to talk about how we get introduced to the full, like, to them together in this yes. movie of him, of of basically just a long yes. tracking shot of Batman in full bat regalia walking onto the crime scene. It's, it's yes. so good. It's the so ears. good. And everyone's <laughs> like, what the fuck is going on which is exactly how you'd react by the way if a guy in a full bat outfit walked yeah. onto your crime scene and he's picking stuff up and he's like hey, he's wearing gloves leave him alone yeah, yeah. and not only that we see later on on newspaper clippings he's like a wanted man like there i don't know what his relationship is with you know gcpd at the moment but we see headlines of them saying like vigilante wanted and stuff like that so you know, at a certain point, these officers were probably being told like they needed to arrest this guy if they saw him. And now he's just walking in, literally dressed as a bat. It's ridiculous on so many levels. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's towering over them. They do a good towering. job of like, because I don't know how tall Rob Pat actually is, but like Batman does need to be tall. And we can talk more about his yes. friend a little bit later. I but he, I think Rob Pat is tall. Uh, okay. I, th I think he's at least like one. Yeah. He's, he's yep, six one is what I just six got one, six two. on Wikipedia. Um, but they make him look like six four, six five. Yeah, you know? he does. Um, and not right. not in like a not in the way that they made Affleck look like a tank, right? Yeah. It's just like, and the ears probably help. You know, the ears play. The boots are. You know, he's got. I love how much Reeves and the ears, the cowl. I love how much Reeves shoots his boots. Yeah. Yeah. There's like seven different shots of the movie, and like he'll sometimes you can hear them too. Like they're just mm -hmm. thud, thud, clock, yeah. clock. I do love that because it's not something you think about. It's like what what type of footwear does Batman, uh, you know, have on? Oh, <laughs> of course, it's combat boots. It's these yeah. like insane combat boots. All of the close-ups in this movie, just as a blanket, yes, just incredible. Like he yeah. Reeves Reeves like knew what he had, and he was just like, I'm just gonna eat up with this camera, all of the detail and all of the close-up shots, the eyes, yes. everybody's eyes, all the eye acting was fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, in this movie that part of the jawlines too yep oh i mean it's specifically one jawline that we should probably get to uh here in a second but i have honestly not read that many comics in my life i i have here and there and i like them this movie legitimately was like reading a comic um early on when they're doing the close-ups of like a light bulb turning on or a close-up of his eye after seeing his screen like that feels like when you read a comic and it's going um um, like tile by tile and there's the close-up of the eye and there's just so many like little tiles without any dialogue or anything like that that mm -hmm. are like setting the stage and i don't know he just had so many of them i 
the in, the insert shots. I feel like it, I, I've been I've been trying to like read up on insert shots a little bit more um, here lately, and this movie was like textbook. You know who loves his, his insert shots is one David Fincher, and it's yes. impossible to talk about this movie without talking about David Fincher because Absolutely. it does owe so much to comic books and to like Year One and all those and Long Halloween, but it owes so much to Fincher. Yes. And like I think going into the movie, we were all expecting Zodiac because like we saw the glasses, we saw the serial killer. I was thinking so much more about Seven and Mindhunter after mm-hmm. leaving the theater. Yeah, a hundred percent. So Rachel saw this movie with me. My wife, listeners, uh, who knows? She doesn't know anything about directors or anything. She literally goes, man, that felt a lot like Mindhunter at times. Mm -hmm. She watched Mindhunter. She really liked it. And I was like, that's funny that you mentioned that. (laughs) Uh, But it was, yeah, I thought that all of the homages to its many influences were so tastefully done as well. It wasn't overdone by any stretch. Did you guys agree? I I agree. Yeah, it felt respectful. It felt like he was using things that he knew were was really effective. And because this type of story hadn't really been told with Batman almost at all, using stuff from other things still seemed fresh, like comparatively to or compared to what a Batman movie could be and the confines that he's working within. Um, it seemed like it was used effectively. I, I didn't like at any point think like oh he's he's just like plagiarizing a movie and putting a guy in a bat suit in the middle of it yeah i never rolled my eyes um you know i also thought about because i haven't seen a lot of reese filmography and there's so many great fixed pov shots there's so many great like, yeah cameras mounted somewhere and i thought about breaking bad um Ooh, you guys yeah. have you guys both seen breaking bad yes mm-hmm. yeah vince gilligan loves putting the camera somewhere he's like yep. put the camera like on a shopping cart and like let's yeah. just go you know um, and I thought about that a lot too, which again I think was was tasteful. And I'm just, I mean, they're they're more peers. I think that Fincher is probably a little bit ahead of Reeves' time, but I think that Gilligan and Reeves are a little more peer level. Yes, yeah. very true. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. I think it's time. I can't believe we've gotten 28 minutes into the podcast. We got to talk about Rob Pat. Yes. Yeah. The bat. The Pat Bat. Yes. Battinson. Uh, uh, let's best, do the best on-screen oh, okay. Batman ever. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I the only argument I would hear is if you would want to do like um, voice performance, if you want to do like Kevin Conroy. Uh, but in terms of live action, yeah, he's the best Batman. It's it clearly like, he, like so obvious. I don't even think it's a conversation. You know, I'd probably. I'd probably lean that way as well. Um, he was just the main character in this movie. And I feel like not many Batman movies actually feel that way, where Batman is the main character. And I thought he played it really well. And he played what I believe Batman is really like um, in my mind. So 100% Evan, I think like if you think about Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, the stars of those movies are the Joker and Bane. Mm-hmm. right the star is not batman batman is the star in this you know you have paul dano as the riddler but you also have so many other villains batman is at the center of the frame at the center of the story the entire time uh and you you said something interesting in the group chat and i would be remiss if i didn't bring it up you said that rob pat best batman but you still think that 
the best Bruce Wayne was Christian Bale. Do you still stand by that after seeing seeing it twice? I just think we don't get enough Bruce Wayne, which I'm completely okay with, especially for this story, especially for where he's clearly at uh, mentally. Uh, he clearly needs to talk to somebody about some things, get a couple things off his chest in a professional environment. I mean, Batman Begins, the best character of the movie, or like it, Bruce Wayne is a far more interesting character than Batman in that movie, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm just I'm tired of Bruce Wayne sometimes. Like... The most Bruce Wayne we got was at the funeral scene. And it was clear that, like, this was the most that the city had seen of Bruce Wayne also in several years. So it fit with the character. It made sense in the story. I didn't need more Bruce Wayne. We'll probably flesh it out. I mean, it seems like he's, with the end of the movie, it's like, okay, now not everything's about vengeance and that you can build hope in other ways. So maybe there's a path there for Bruce Wayne to become a little bit more of a philanthropist, but I don't think that he's ever going to keep up appearances of like playboy mannerisms, which I don't know how well those have always, I don't know if that in terms of just the character of Batman, the playboy of it all, I've never loved like, you could be like a billionaire philanthropist like that can kind of work. Um, I think that like the few moments of sincerity that Bale had as a philanthropist in his trilogy are interesting and i think just better for for especially for like the anger and the um i think tenacity and commitment that pat that pattinson is bringing to the character yeah i also i i don't know why but it it feels again we go back to this realistic word it feels so much more realistic that this guy that has taken it upon himself to try to heal a city by fighting crime in a bat suit would be a little bit mentally fucked up and like yeah. not want to go out in public. Uh, especially because, like he said, he's become a, in this, he literally says, I've become a nocturnal animal. He's probably sleeping yeah. all day because he's out every night fighting crime. Uh, he's a tough hang. Y- yeah. Yeah. The, the, I agree with you, Chip. The whole like Playboy Bruce Wayne has never quite sat well with me. And I think the care, the Batman character is a far more interesting character than. Bruce Wayne himself and I think from us not getting any kind of origin story I think that was Reeves telling us you don't care about Bruce Wayne like yes this is the Batman the title of the movie is the Batman yeah it's not it's not anything else and Bruce Wayne doesn't care about Bruce Wayne he clearly hates himself yeah he like I mean he's probably got some like beyond just like mental struggles like he might have like some straight up mental disorders you know what I'm saying yeah Bruce Wayne is just a huge dick to basically everyone we see him meet in this movie. Specifically Alfred. In the very opening scene, Alfred just comes down making some chit-chat. No pitter-patter at all. Just, you're not my dad. And walks away. Like, it seemed very purposeful that those early conversations that they had were just not ever that comfortable. And he just seemed like he was a pissed off dude. I also love when he walks into his living room and the lights are on and he puts on his sunglasses. That was kind yeah. of a funny yeah. little nod to the uh, great, like, not great sunglasses. Great sunglasses the entire movie. Absolutely. I mean, from Pattinson to Totoro. Yeah. Just eating. So, so you, hold on, you talk about Alfred. I want, can we do like 10 seconds on what we thought of Alfred? Cause I really liked Alfred. Incredible. I, I thought Incredible. he was really, really good. I was a huge fan uh, I love Andy Serkis, and I thought he shined and like did a lot with his time on screen. He fucking rules. I hope. I mean, I hope we get more of him. <laughs> I knew. Uh, yeah, I didn't. You guys are good. You guys took that one. 
What? What is? What's your beef with circus? Bro? I know. How, I knew this was gonna be like a Lord of the Rings thing, and I. I mean, it, it's fine. You guys are bit it, the people who grew up idolizing Lord of the Rings. Everyone has Andy Circus at the top. Come on, that like that's not even a. It's yeah, not a bad thing. This is a, a motor thing. thing, dude. This is a. This is straight up. I thought he was just really good in this movie. I, I just. I did, I'm not saying he's bad. I just didn't like. I don't know. The, his scenes didn't really do it for me. Like he also got what I considered to be one of the worst scenes in the movie when he's just absolutely dumping exposition on a hospital bed immediately after Falcone had just done like 15 minutes of exposition. And that that scene just like was the only time that the movie felt like it dragged a little bit for me. Um, so I'm not even saying I I honestly didn't think he had very much to do in this movie. I think he carried those lines with with gravitas and care. And tact. Retweet. Um, but we don't want to spend too much too much time on him because he didn't get a ton of screen time. Any other I want any other standout performances you guys want to talk about before we like go into our favorite moments? Um Zoe Kravitz, please call me back. Yes. I mean, <laughs> we definitely gotta mention Zoe Kravitz just because yeah, you have, have to. The like allure she had, the chemistry she and Pattinson had was pretty off the charts. Um, she was to me somebody who did a ton with a lot to work with. I mean, she was upset mm-hmm. about her friend, but all that stuff when they're doing the kind of like caper in the middle of the movie when she's wearing the eyepiece, Best. she is doing a lot with a little. I mean, there's a 45 second long tracking shot of just her walking like a movie star, just like mm-hmm. basically doing a, a catwalk essentially. Yeah, hey, um, is. Yeah, and and um, yeah, yeah. I felt I fet like she felt like a real star. Like to me, w- one of my bigger takeaways walking out was it just felt like she could lead a massive movie. Yeah, she needs. I, I don't know if she's getting her own movie or stuff, but she absolutely needs one or a movie or a show. Yeah, um, because I'd watch her do just about anything. Like I honestly, if they even if they like don't incorporate her back into this universe, and it's just like, hey, here's Catwoman robbing ten different hedge fund CEOs in ten episodes. I'd be like, yeah. cool. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. I, I think that that scene where they do that, the kind of the heist at the iceberg lounge in the middle of the yeah, uh, iceberg lounge, by the way, just amazing. But uh, like that whole that whole scene. And then when she the moment when she's in the bathroom talking to him through the mirror of, yes. of the contact lens was one of my that favorite. Is so hard to do. It was one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it was so yeah, it was so well done. Uh, I, her eyes again, her eyes in this movie, just a star uh, the entire time. She, yeah. no matter what she was doing, there was brightness and sadness. I don't understand how you achieve that as a human being. But um, yeah, yeah, I love her suit, too. I really liked like the mask that she had kind of just real little, homemade little burglar. Vibe. Yeah, it was great. I, I again, just. I have to say again about Paul Dano, though. I was going to say. Absolute rock star. It's incredible how he can make his face look like very soft and like plump and baby toned almost. Like especially like when they they arrest him in the diner and he puts on this little soft smile. But then he like opens his mouth in like this O and he sees Batman through the window and everything changes. And it's it's one of the scariest things I've ever seen. What did you think of the interrogation scene? Because Evan and I, before you had seen it, Evan and I were going back and forth on this. 
Would yeah, I let's get into some it? scenes. Yeah. 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 Right, let's, let's start great. with Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the Ave Maria. That show. <laughs> shit slaps. Okay. This is actually, this is a question I want you to settle. Me and Evan, we're going back and forth on this. Okay. When he says, when he keeps saying Bruce Wayne, and then he goes, he's the only one we didn't get. Is that showing that he, A, actually doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is the Batman, or B, he does know that Bruce Wayne is the Batman, but he knows the cameras are on and doesn't want to out him because he says, like, oh, I know the real you and the real you is behind the mask. He does not know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Oh, that's that's not how I read it. That's how I haven't read it. I read it as, like... I as, think there's a realization. Like, you can almost see a look on Pattinson's face when yeah, he, he says Bruce Pattinson Wayne twice. That he's about to tell him, but yeah. then he drops the other shoe and says he instead of you. Like, it was almost like a shock look. Like, really quick, he was like... <laughs> I, I would... Okay, this is going to sound... I don't know, maybe... This is going to sound convoluted. But I thought that the Riddler knows who Batman is. That Batman mm-hmm. is Riddler. And he's thinking about outing himself. And then at the last minute, the Riddler decides to not let Batman know that he knows that he's Bruce Wayne. So, Pattinson... It, Bat, Battinson is supposed to believe that the Riddler doesn't know, but in actuality, the Riddler does know. I so, just that was off his whole them. plan, though, right? Like, yeah. wasn't his whole right. like thesis? Batman and I are doing the same job, and we're gonna end it together. Yeah, yeah. like we're gonna watch it. We're gonna watch the show together. Yeah. Basically, I think and he did try I don't to kill think him. He'd be keeping things close to the chest at that point. All right, that's and fair. he tried to kill him with the bomb that that your guy's boy uh, picked up and somehow survive guys boy that is it is he he doesn't belong hey, to just us he belongs to the people powerhouse performance by him surviving that bomb blast from about three feet away with a, a small wood desk between them he clearly is like barely hanging on he like throw you they show him like putting the arm up over his face like he got a little bit of distance he was diving away yeah no, I'm saying impressive, impressive work by him. Right, that's, that's, that's enough out tinged. of you. That's a tinge uh, comment from you, sir. I, I will not have it. Uh, okay, that changes my reading of that whole situation. Um, anything else on the interrogation scene before we get into some other favorite scenes slash moments? I feel like we need to burn through I some scenes. I almost feel like there was one or two lines that were a bit rushed in the interrogation scene. I think they could have let it sit a little bit more when um, Riddler is realizing that the Batman is not on board with his plan. I feel like you need like one more line where he's like, wait, really? Like what? Or like another moment where he's like staring at him, you know? Yes. I wanted a a little bit more either right before, right after it was revealed that Batman was not going to be in on it. Yeah. A little bit more about why he believed he would be because I get why he thinks he'd want to be. Cause he's like, Hey, we're both vengeance. We're both trying to rid the city of corruption and evil and immorality. Okay. Or criminality. I don't know if okay. it was an editing mistake or just a yeah. script mistake. Like, both. give me one little more, one like, wait, but you, mm-hmm. blah, yeah. blah, blah, before we get into, no, 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 this is, because that part was good. Like, I really like when um, Dano kind of started losing it and was yeah. just doing the like, no, no, like the caged animal back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. Just right before that, I agree. Great yeah. shit. What did you think of? The little scene that we get of the Riddler and a certain special guests after that. So it's the most out of place moment in the movie. I don't hate it as much as a lot of people have come out against it. Um, I I like Barry. How do you pronounce his name? 
Keown. Oh, I thought I like Jerry Keown. I think he is a good actor. Um, I don't quite have, uh, spoiler, Joker fatigue like <laughs> a lot of people do. I am interested to see what that character can be. I, I don't know. I like the Joker, man. The Joker's fucking sick. He's really funny, and he's really demented. And I like funny, demented characters. And the idea of two, uh, the idea of a rogues gallery, um, someone like with, with a bit more leadership skills, perhaps, than, than the Riddler, to, uh, you know, come together and come out against the Batman is interesting to me. Um, I, do, I don't hate it. I truly, I, I really need to, like, be skeptical and then let the jury decide after we get his performance in the next couple movies. Yeah. I think it was clear that we don't know, they don't know what exactly he's going to be. They show yeah. us just enough of him. Um, I was kind of on the fence about, like, whether or not I wanted the Joker to be involved because I was, in my head, I was kind of like, do we really want to revisit that? So mm-hmm. soon after such an incredible Joker performance, which Jared I Leto. <laughs> <laughs> disturbed, of course, of course. Um, no, but then I realized so soon is you know, it's it's been 12, I mean, more than what 15 years. But I think it, somebody tweeted out, and I don't know who it was, so apologies to this person, that basically the Joker is as important to. Batman as Batman is right. Yeah. He's, he's the big bad. He's the main guy. And what I liked about that scene is it did have a bit of that. Like you said, some like a little bit of a ringleader, uh, you know, rallying the troops. And it did make me think that we're going to get an Arkham breakout sequence to start yeah. the next one. If we do get a next one, which I hope we do. But yeah, I, I mean, this movie's made so much money already. Yeah. I'll be honest, the first time I think I texted Jed this too, and granted, I got out of this movie pretty late, so by the end of this movie, I had to go to the bathroom really bad, mm-hmm. and it was like 11 o'clock at night, when that scene hit, and mind you, the the listener obviously has probably seen this movie, I hope has seen this movie, it seems like it ends about four times before we even get to this scene. There are like yeah, multiple fade to blacks. Yeah, like multiple fade to blacks where I was like, oh, that was amazing, credits oh nope here's another scene if i was it really threw me off the first time i i watched the movie i was like why did we just do a a marvel like cutaway post credit scene at the end of this movie is this how mm-hmm. this movie's gonna end the second time after knowing it was barry i was looking more for his facial features and stuff and it made me enjoy it a bit more but yeah. It felt so unnecessary to me. To be honest, I would love to see a Joker in the next movie. I have nothing. The Batman gets done every three years. So, like, the Joker getting done every, you know, five or six years doesn't really bother me, to be honest. But I don't know why. It almost felt like they weren't confident enough in their movie that they needed to toss in something at the end to, like, drive engagement. So, I don't know. I I was listening to an interview with Reeves. uh, That's the other issue. Where he talked about this. Yeah. And he said that they did a version where there was it wasn't in there. Yes. He felt like it was very important for the Riddler's character to show that this wasn't finality, that the Riddler was like still going to be involved and going to be a nuisance for Batman yeah. in the future. Yeah. So it was almost that the Joker scene was a vehicle to show, hey, the Riddler is not done. Uh yeah. rather than Okay. Which I, I we can we can get into the politics, but he's you know tr- he made an amazing movie, so I I trust that when he said I walked I we edited a version without it in there and it felt wrong, 
then I'm he he also came up with a big explanation about how this Joker that we're seeing, the Batman has already dealt with, and this doesn't at all mean that he's for sure the villain in the second one. I don't know. That answer, I was like, all right, Matt. Hey, it's all right, man. Where there's yeah. smoke, there might be fire, but you can I, fucking chill out well, a little bit. You don't, I need, to, like, dig, you don't I need to, that. like, give us a two-paragraph panic answer about how it's definitely not what we thought it was. Like, just let it be. I didn't think that. He literally it said— It just seems like he's explaining— Like, it seems like it needs an explanation if he needs to go yeah, into, like, that much detail. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, uh, I agree. It maybe would have been cooler if, like, Joker isn't in the second movie, and then guess what? He's the main villain of the third movie— and we find out in the third movie that, like, even before the first movie, they had been, they had, like, yeah. like, Batman had put him in Arkham. But I do kind of take solace in the fact that they've faced off before. I think that's cool. I but, mean, right, I'm not saying it's not cool, but that's why I'm just like, why is it in the end of this movie? I don't, like, that's what I'm a little bit confused by, honestly. There are multiple things like that. So, for example, I would point to the fact that we never see Salvatore Moroni. So he can still mm-hmm. be a player if he is to be released from prison because now their their informant is dead. So maybe that uh, maybe he's going to be able to get out. Um, at one point, it appears that Batman uses uh, Bane juice, Venom, to revive himself. Yeah, which I we don't know anything about how he's got his hands on that. If that means Bane already exists in this world, if this the Venom is some product of Wayne Enterprises, perhaps I don't know. It could be that he did face some kind of Joker. It is interesting that we get these clowns at the beginning in this mm-hmm. kind of clown makeup. Maybe they have some inspiration that they're drawing from. That they've, they're planting a seed there they can come back to if they need to. I think they play those things well. I also think that if this were to be a standalone Batman movie, which it won't be, but if this were to be a standalone Batman movie, I would be very satisfied and very happy with it. I think that it does. I think it does end. It has several endings, but I think it does end well. Batman mm-hmm. learns a lesson. Uh, and it seems that he's got uh, some sort of vision for the future. Um, only took him a week. To, it, literally, the, this film takes place in a week, which is the, the real shit. The real Batman is the friends we made along the way. Um, okay, other 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 favorite scenes. scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I because we, we got to get to it. Um, yeah, fucking uh, car chase, guys. Yes, guys, guys, guys. Listen, I'm in the theater, right? I am fighting back a hangover. Um, and this car scene comes on, and they let the car rev for about 20 seconds. Yes. They let the kitten purr, and it just keeps going and going. The camera's getting closer to Oz, and then they're showing the back, and it's just, I started sweating. <laughs> I, I was, I felt like I was hyperventilating, but, like, in a really good way. Like, I, it was very comic book. Yes. And it felt like I was turning the page, and it was, like, a panel of, like, yep. Oz's face getting closer, car getting closer. Oz's face getting closer, car goes just purr, purr, purr. And then it finally comes out, and it's the sexiest Batmobile I've ever seen. Yeah, and they also tease that he's working on it when the big with the big engine block and a couple of yeah. yeah, that just looks so gnarly, too. The fact that he just has, like, engine blocks and chains and bolts, like, on random tables in his Batcave is so metal. Yeah, I, I did... Very metal Batman. Um, I I did love the car chase. I thought it was really good. I think the overall, uh, I the other scene that I love that's kind of I don't know why I put it in conjunction in my head was the chase and eventual jump off the building from the police department. Yeah. After yeah. the after he punches Gordon in the face, and then the yeah. next time he sees him, he goes, oh, "I thought you would have pulled on that punch." He goes, "I did." Yeah. Like another hilarious moment. But uh, yeah, I love I love that sequence. It made it. 
I don't know. Everything about this Batman felt like a human being who was trying to do what he thought was right rather than like a super genius in some impossible technology, you know, overpowering these petty criminals. Yeah, he like gets scared when he's on top of that building and he's like, he's like, oh, oh. and then he's like fumbling with his, you know, zippers and like his buckles. He's like, okay, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Very human. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned the iceberg lounge caper. Mm-hmm caper scene you know when great kind of- great bit at the doors of the iceberg lounge yeah, yeah. twins absolutely amazing. that first time at the at the iceberg lounge is amazing yeah, yeah. when when he he it punches the two twins and then just strides in in full bat regalia again it's another one where you're just like this you just dress as a bat he's like yeah. a six eight bat walking into this club no one's even really noticing other than the actual like like goons that are in the club none of the actual club goers are at all concerned about it happening they're just kind of like going about their party right. um but that's a great scene too leading into into the great penguin introduction but i really like that whole and that to that might be my favorite expedi- exposition dump of the whole movie is that his first conversation with the penguin and then Catwoman coming in. I love the penguin refers to Batman as Mr. Vengeance. That's mm-hmm. just like a funny way for him to, he's like, don't worry, sweetheart. Like Mr. Vengeance doesn't bite. That's just, <laughs> I don't know. Lots of that expositions really um, like, I don't know. It was just a lot of fun with the yeah. kind of oons, oons, oons in the background. Yeah. I liked the exposition of the, uh, I did also really like the exposition of, when Catwoman's like doing the actual caper and she's talking to the DA and yeah. all that whole yeah exposition was was um there's a lot of really good exposition in this movie like that was Peter good. Sarsgaard right yeah, yeah. Uh, the DA he yeah. he was great that was a great little uh, I think it's amazing how they just like taught like we're 50 minutes into this podcast and we're just like oh my god Peter Sarsgaard was in this movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's the thing that's the thing is like if you're gonna have a lot of exposition dumps which you kind of need for the first movie in a in in probably a trilogy then just get like really famous attractive people to do it but yep. you also need it for a detective movie which is what this is like, yeah all detective movies have exposition so you know what this reminded me of chip your beloved inherent vice and I'm not gonna put it on the same level and say this was as good or anything like that but it had the same feeling of Batman basically just going to different places in town to talk to some person who somebody else had told him you have to go talk to. And then Mm -hmm. that person saying, I don't know anything about that. You got to go talk to this person or you're on the completely wrong path. This is what I know. And then he just kind of have to follow the string. And he was always a step behind. Same, Mm -hmm. same kind of way as inherent vice also very much derived from like Chinatown where it's like every clue leads to three more clues or three more people. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of had that feeling. They're just like, yeah, set, 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 yeah, like just I, moving from set to set. I got I huge, that. huge. Like you guys, obviously, we talked about the the Fincher aspect of it all, but I definitely got big Chinatown vibes for sure. Movie, which oh, I yeah. massive fan. I can't believe we haven't done Chinatown. That deserves a solo movie pod. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't know. Like all that was probably my favorite part of the movie was Detective Batman. Mm-hmm. Is it because of me that going into my own psyche? Because when this movie was first announced and it was like, my vision for Batman is more as a detective was the first thing out of Reeves' mouth. And I'm like, fuck yeah, detective Batman. Let's fucking mm-hmm. go. Like, yeah. And then it lived up to that hype. Is that why it's my favorite parts of those, the movie? Maybe. But I still really loved all of it. The clues and the riddles. Yes. Riddler obviously being the villain for a detective Batman launch. 
is perfect because yeah. he's got to figure shit out. Um, the riddles are great. It, it, yeah. They are really effective. They also did a really good job. I'm always impressed. Like when sometimes either Gordon or Batman would read the riddle, right? And so we could hear it. Other times they just focus on the words for just long enough for us to read it and then flip the card. They, mm-hmm. It was just really effective the way that they did that because sometimes you worry about like, oh, I, I missed that one. You know, didn't did, like miss that riddle on to the next one. Shoot, I, I wasn't able to read it, whatever. Um, but it was all very clear in its confusion. Yeah. I'm trying to think because this movie was is really confusing. I feel like, we're, right? Like to an extent, I there's think a lot movie's... of like, I there wasn't when he first brought him out into the light. It wasn't like I automatically clicked for me. Like, oh, bring him into the light and you'll find yeah. me. You know, there there's a lot I sort of had to ruminate on to get back to. I'd like to double down on how scary this movie is. Oh yeah, with um, we, we need to talk about the music, but yes, with oh. all the shots, yeah, with. That I mean, that first shot where the Riddler pops up behind the mayor, yeah, is horrifying. Yeah, um, the shots inside of the orphanage. I think that yeah. also just the real world shit that's going on here. I mean, the again spoilers that mass shooting basically at the end of the film. Yeah, is, I didn't I didn't realize just how terrifying that was until I watched it with with friends, well, and I was and- like, this is like the most horrifying thing that can happen in America today and like consistently happens. And they're just like, yeah, it's in the movie. And it's yeah. not, it's not just a mass shooting, but it's a mass shooting from basically a conspiracy theorist right. who has drummed up online support. Where have we seen those types of, yeah, exactly. It's, it, it's, it was, yeah, it was wild to me. Plucked from the headlines, but I, I don't think that they did it in such a way where people can be like, oh, I'm getting I'm getting ideas from this. You know what I'm saying? It, it yeah. definitely it's I think it's effective. And I think it is um, if you can be tasteful about putting this in the third act of your movie. And also, I mean, they didn't really market that that's exactly how it was going to go down, which I think is smart. Yeah, um, because if they did, then it would have been a lot of backlash. And I think we might get some in the coming weeks as more people see the movie. But I think it is effectively scary and not in poor taste. Mm-hmm. I think some people, if some people can find it in poor taste, I'm not going to dictate exactly how you should emotionally respond to it, but I think it is effective uh, in just truth, you know, and mm-hmm. scariness. Yeah. yeah we, okay. A... We definitely missed a bunch of scenes. There's no doubt about that because there were a lot of amazing scenes in this, but we've, we've touched on a couple that we love. I want to talk about some shots because talking about the end sequence reminded me of one of the best shots I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah. It was Batman wading through the water with the flare. Mm-hmm. Um, like from the top down, yeah. him basically parting the Red Sea as a, as a biblical figure yeah. uh, leading people uh, to safety. And then they couple that. They're like, hey, if you didn't get the message, we're going to have Batman carry a woman to a helicopter stretcher uh, just to show you while all in the background, we have Batman journaling. Um, yeah. Incredible. And like, yeah, like, and out of the muck, you know, that overhead oh. shot is so effective. It's like he got all the way down in there to to drag people out. He is yeah. he is in the water, submerged, like not a powerful yeah. looking person at all, honestly. Like at that yeah. point, the light is, is and he's taking them out of the night. He's he's yes. he's being the opposite of the dark night. He is lending mm-hmm. the light to the situation and leading them out, and you know, ending on that rooftop in the sunrise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wes Anderson behind the helmet shot 
uh, at the very beginning when he's riding yep. the motorcycle. Incredible. Which is during the first something in the way Nirvana needle drop. Oh, yes. He went to Reeves, went to the fucking Scorsese playbook, and then dropped something in the way twice and Ava Marie like three times. Yes. Also, all of the motorcycle like perspective shots, so like either from like behind his helmet or from like his mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. The, yeah, oh my all of those were fucking incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to give a shout out to our guy, Greg Frazier. Yeah, yeah. Of, course, of course. Of course. Just um, the cinematographer for this movie. I mean, going Dune and the Batman back to back is what pretty incredible. It, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. What a year. How and like you... very different blockbusters too, right? One is mm-hmm. very grungy, very much inside like contained to spaces and it's very mm-hmm. hard to light those spaces, especially when they're that dark, which sounds kind of funny, but yep. it is, it's hard to like light a movie in the dark. And one is Dune and one is Dune. It's like the <laughs> biggest, ex- most expansive movie, right. Yeah. That you could possibly have. It's, it's really amazing. He works very well in elements. I'm thinking yeah. sand and I'm thinking rain. Yeah. The rain. It's hard to shoot with those things. Yes. How have we talked about not gotten this far without talking about the rain. Yeah, like, that stuck with me so much from early on. I was like, wow, this is a like I we were 25 minutes in this movie. I was like, wow, there's just a, this is really it is wet. <laughs> it is wet. Yeah, it's very wet. The bat ears are soaked. They're yeah. really dripping water. Yeah, I was I was blown away. Uh, We got to talk about the music as well. I know we're, we're got to talk about more shots, but you want to do a quick brief, brief yeah. five minutes on on the score. I could yeah. t- Michael, Michael G probably my favorite score of the last i i want to say year there have been some good scores but that was i i it struck me and it was so loud in the movie it was i can't imagine seeing it in dolby evan was like yeah dude shaking i mean the first time that batman theme drops when he when he pops out of those shadows and starts beating the crap out of the guys with the clown paint. And we can talk a little bit more about that too. He's really beating people's asses in this movie. But um, when that score hits, it is rumbling, but it's effective. It's, it's not just doing like bong, you know, like what um, um, Hans Zimmer has kind of become derided for a little bit over the last few years. Um, It's part of these theme songs that he basically created for all the characters. Yeah, and it doesn't get old either. That refrain hits so yes. many times, and like they, they they mix up the instruments and the volume yeah. levels. I think it might be most effective during to, to tie both these conversations in the upside down shot of Batman walking oh, yes. towards towards Oz um, yep. after he has absolutely destroyed his fucking car. Yes, um, but there's a little bit that that's the only time where there's like an acoustic guitar that plays that theme, mm-hmm. and it, it sounds like something in the way. It sounds like Nirvana. But then it builds up and builds up. Um, yeah. So a, I mean, it's a western at that point, like that. It fuck turns, yes. Oh my god, that's so true. It turns like when the when that that moment, it was like, yeah, we're just gonna toss a little western score in there. It's a little showdown at high noon, even though it's probably Holy shit. That's morning. a good good shout. Good shout with the western. Yeah, absolutely. No, that is a great call, and it really emphasized the moment too. The way the old gunslingers used to roll into the town. That's yeah. kind of the way he was rolling up on Oz. Um, yeah. I mean, the look of fear on Colin Farrell's face is hilarious in that scene when he's sitting upside down, kind of looking over at the Batman walking towards him. And um, 
I mean, even in that, well, now we're really jumping around, but that whole chase, I love that the Penguin keeps referring to the Batman as like a psycho and a crazy man. It's mm-hmm. like this absolute freak thinks that the Batman <laughs> is insane. Like, like he can't even wrap his head around this guy. He's like, this is way out of my element. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that says more about Oz or about the Batman, but he's like, this freaking psycho. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely incredible. Okay. Uh, by my budget, we've got about 10 minutes left in this podcast. And so I want to first talk about if we have to give it a grade, if we have to give it a score, we can either go out of 10 or we can go letter grade. And then I want to talk about what, what would you want to see from the future? So let's start with the grades and then we can circle back to the future conversation. Evan, grade, you can kick it off. Are we going to go out of 10 or are we going to go letter grade? You can. I don't know, dude. This is hard. It just feels seven pointy eared cowls. Up. I'm still trying to get it. I'm trying not to compare it too much with with a lot of other movies. And obviously, the easiest one is like The Dark Knight. Um, I'm trying not to compare it too much, and I keep thinking about other movies when I'm thinking about how I'd like grade it. I mean, initially, I'd probably say A. I'd probably say A. I don't know if it's one of the absolute best movies of all time. Um, and I know I usually say that is my criteria for like A plus, which which probably isn't super effective, but yeah, I'd say A. It was great, and when it wasn't great, it was perfectly competent. It, there was never a moment that it was bad, which I really appreciate. So you are you are uh, a little bit more afraid of hyperbole than than I am, my friend. I'm. This is the best superhero movie of all time. And I don't I honestly don't think it's close. Like the this wipes the Dark Knight's ass. This like, movie shits on the Dark Knight. Yeah, it Holy shits wow. on the ground. Like we don't the Dark Knight, like like we don't have any, oh, we're gonna figure out who the Joker is by taking this bullet profile and scanning it through a fucking 3D image, and then we're gonna reconstruct the bullet, and then from there we can figure out where the bullet was manufactured. Then we're gonna go to Hong Kong. There's none of that. It looked cool as hell though. Well, I don't know. We don't. It, yeah, it mean, looks it looks amazing. It looks fine. It looks, yeah, it looks, no, it looks, it looks good. It looks. Good. This isn't me talking shit on the Dark Knight, but this I'm is, talking shit on the Dark Knight. This is get the fuck out. Of here. The Dark Knight's great, but the, the this is better than the Dark Knight, and I think that from in my for my money that was the best comic book superhero, whatever you want to call it, movie before, and this movie has taken its place. Yeah. I will like I will gladly die on this hill yeah a plus fucking incredible i'll give it an a plus too i mean uh, nick pointed this out to me he was like there is a it, this movie does occupy a little bit more of a niche in the comic book superhero genre because it is completely real and because you are not dealing with any elements of other worlds supernatural actual quote-unquote superheroes so there is a you you can if you want to separate them out i think that either way this is still my favorite of that genre of superhero comic books. I think that like easily it clears like Dark Knight, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Verse. I mean, if we want to get animated, then that gets a little bit trickier because there's there's some animated Batman stuff that I adore too. Um, but it's it's a it's everything I want in terms of a collision of film nerd stuff, all the influences, all the homage, and comic book characters that I love and that I have childhood connections to. It's incredible how well those can come together that this can even be possible with actors that I love too. And I feel like that I've spent so much time with just as Batman himself in this movie decides that he is going to transform in 
from vengeance into hope. I felt my hopes for the film industry transform from vengeance into hope in like in watching this movie because this is what like we have IP right we're all stuck in this IP superhero blockbustery only movie time right yeah this is what this can be yeah when it's treated with care and respect mm-hmm. and fucking we we've bemoaned them many time on this podcast and they get fucked on Twitter all the time but shout out to whoever's in charge of DC for putting their trust in these in Matt Reeves and the rest of the filmmakers who made this movie because this shows you what these movies can be it taps into that I think what I mean frankly what the Dark Knight what Nolan's Batman's did was like oh shit superhero movies can be that and mm-hmm. I think that spiraled into something negative and hopefully this brings it yeah. back into something into something positive but I, I'm I, honestly hoping that even I'm not trying to put all my eggs in this basket, but I'm I'm excited for the Sam Raimi Doctor Strange to to have a director with an identity and a vision. I don't know how much the Marvel I mean, because the Marvel machine is different than the DC, but you know if we can have directors like that, like artists who have visions, work with this IP, I'm not mad about it because I like to have fun at the movies too, you know. But like I I like the memories of seeing a lot of these cog movies more than I like actually seeing them in through my eyes today. I don't think that I'm gonna feel the way about Batman. I think I will feel just as positive as I do about it right now as I will in the future. Yeah, uh, I agree. And if you That's wanted awesome. any any other indication of why this is the batman movie it's called the batman it is literally like reeves came out and said this is the batman definitive the definitive batman movie um clearly we all yeah there we go what do we want to see from rob pat matt reeves and the gang what is our hopes for the future so this is a maybe a little bit more in the future, but I want to see this Batman die. I think it needs to happen. You're I think I mean the, I think this movie big, alluded big, to it several times. To die guy. Yeah, I mean he he in the in that Wait, first I have an idea. Alfred, what if what if he dies, but then we see him in like a cafe in Paris? I hate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that I mean. The first conversation he has with Alfred, he tells him he's not afraid to die. Right? He's going, like, and at the end of the movie, Catwoman's like, you're going to die doing this, and he doesn't say anything. I need to see it happen. All right. I would just like to... No, that's that's my only take. That's yeah, no, that's a great take. For this future is I need to see. If if we are going to continue this, which I think they will, because I would, again, I would be happy with... Three? You think we'll get three? Probably. It's just how Hollywood works. We'll get three. Yeah. I, I mean, I love this type of movie. I, I love a well-done blockbuster as much as I love our A24 darlings and, you know, drive my car. There's There are so many amazing movies that I love to go see in a movie theater. Nothing quite hits, like, scratches the same itch that a super well-done blockbuster does. And I will say, like, that's absolutely what The Dark Knight did for me at the time. Um, it's even what movies like... The original Transformers or something is done that now seem derivative, but at the time just got me so excited to go back and see again. Um, as far as more movies, 
whatever they want to do works for me. I'm just interested to see it. I do like this character a lot. I, I like the world a lot, Jed, like you were talking about. I think there's a lot to do with Gotham. The one thing I'd say, I'd love to see Paul Dano pop in again and kind of do the uh, the same thing that that um, the Scarecrow did throughout the Dark Knight trilogy uh, with, with our guy Murphy. Um, just kind of popping in and out. Uh, every once in a while is part of maybe a scheme or has a little imagination of his own. Um, but yeah, I, I, I trust where they're going. Yeah. I, I, I think I would like to see, uh, it's hard. It's hard. I think I'd like to see, I want to say, I would like to see more of the same, but I also, I'm in that same camp as you chip where, or Evan, I can't remember who said it, but uh, if this if they decide, hey, we're going to leave it, this was this was the Batman. We're not going to revisit this yep. Batman uh, together. I would be more than happy to have this as my only memory. Hmm. Uh, I and so I, I'm cool with that. But if they do want to, you know, if they do want to continue, I need more penguin in my life. That's that's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what they're setting it up for. I, I hope they weren't just setting it up for the TV show. And then the TV show will be our fix of of the Penguin. I mean, I'll watch. Don't get me wrong, but um, I definitely would like to see more movie Penguin. Really quick before we go. Oh yeah, go ahead. How wild would it be if just like the next movie is just like picks up immediately and it's just (laughs) the next week? Like, because this movie was one week. Yeah. What if all three movies are just three weeks time? Yeah, just did it like the last Halloween, where it's literally the last scene just feeds into this one, and we're just like driving. Batman's just like God. The worst three-week stretch like, of my uh, life. It's like just after, like the city's flooded, and because of that, everyone breaks out of fucking Arkham, and now I got to wrangle up a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of villains I've put in there. All right. Well, I think we all love the Batman. Um, Tom de Batman. Uh, Tom DeLong reference now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I love. I loved it. Uh, I appreciate you guys all for listening. If you haven't already, follow us on Twitter at Flicking Scream, on Instagram at Flicking and Streaming. Stay up to date on the latest Flicking and Streaming news. Let us know what you thought of Zabatman. Next week, we are going to be talking about an Oscars darling, and that is Drive My Car. I'm excited for that one. Are you guys excited? Any parting thoughts? Anything you want to tell the listeners before we say goodbye? Come down, um, to the, come down to the Iceberg Lounge, you know. Come come get a mojito. Cruise on down. And we didn't mention it, but uh, Robert Pattinson is official. That's what I want to leave it at. He is officially Certified. a movie star. Tenet was, you know, shaky grounds. You can't really make judgments off of it because of the situation that it was released in. This one absolutely proves that he can lead what's probably going to be a billion-dollar movie. Love it. For Flicking and Screaming, Jed Sprague, JT Chipman, Evan Fagundis, go to the Iceberg Lounge, everybody. See ya. Good night.